And now, it's time for the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. I love it. Say it one more time. Shake and bake! Shake and bake. Shake and bake. Shake and bake. Shake it, bake it! Does that feel good? Yeah. It rhymes. They're both birds. Awesome. Blake Crawford. The Shake and Blake Bowl. It's at Bell Snyder Family Stadium. It's just our faces on center field. John Grove. I think for K-State, in order to be successful, you're going to have to open up that passing game. Bring you all things K-State sports and even more. And it's Shake and Bake time. Welcome, everybody, into the Shake and Blake Show live Let's here go. on Wildcat 91.9. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove. John, how are you doing? You are very tempted to, to uh, ring that, aren't you? I'm going to do the same. <laughs> it's got a nice See little here? reverb. Yeah, it's got it a kinda, little mm-hmm, echo right there. Yeah, uh, it's just it's, for a while. It's been pretty good, despite the struggles of K-State basketball. Uh, it was a pretty good week. Uh, you know, K-State turned 160 years uh, yesterday on a day where uh, we didn't have class as well. So, yeah, uh, it was it was pretty good. I think they kind of jumped the gun a little bit, if you ask me. Well, I mean, it, yeah, it's just really crazy because in Junction City, I heard they got eight inches. I heard it was a blizzard over in Junction City. It's, and then you drive 20 minutes over and like the snow is melting on the sidewalk and we got maybe an inch. It's even worse uh, when you go up north around Marysville and it kind of stretches through Nebraska state lines and Lincoln and Omaha. Like They got a lot of snow, but um. It, they were like early on in the week it was expected to kind of go towards manhattan but um as it was kind of approaching russell it started moving up a little bit north uh so so manhattan got only a little little spurt of it well we still appreciate richard linton for his you know his precautions and making sure that we're safe as students absolutely even if we did only get one inch of snow so welcome into the shake and blake show blake crawford alongside john grove if it's your first time listening for a k-state sports pod we're here every single Friday night at 6 p.m. on Wildcat 91.9, so make sure to come in here every time to hear some uh, Wildcat sports talk. Um, luckily for John, who's a Broncos fan, we're not going to talk about the Super Shut Bowl. Shut up. We're not going to talk about the Shut Super up. Bowl, even though it was a really great officiated game. It was that a, was a okay. ton of fun for everybody. It was a good game. It yep. was a ton of fun for everybody. High scoring. You had two <laughs> mobile quarterbacks at it. Uh, um, even do you think I got a question about? Do you think Patrick Mahomes is more mobile with both legs or one leg? I, <laughs> I think he's just mobile in general. With, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's just it brought out that dog in him when you know he, he, that his he's ankle. got that dog in him. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. We're stick to just K State sports. If you love college sports in the Big Twelve, you are in the right place. We've got a great show lined up for you. We're gonna recap. Um, the Oklahoma game and kind of what what's gone wrong for the Cats in their last two games. We'll cover some Wildcat headlines, um, including K State baseball starting in you know 20 minutes as we're doing this. Uh, women's basketball picking up a big win this week at home. K State football finding their new wide receivers coach. We'll also talk about the end of an era. John, today yeah, was the last era. last athletic event at Ahern Fieldhouse. Um, which is, you know, Ahern Field is just such a historic place. has been in K-State for a very long time. We'll look at the Big 12 standings, a great slate of Saturday matchups, as well as the latest bracketology for the Cats. Um, John wants to talk about some KU news on their stadium renovation funding. <laughs> um, so we'll hit on that near the end before we preview Farmageddon in Bramlage tomorrow at 1 p.m. But first, uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at ShakenBlake785. 
Uh, make sure if you haven't found us on wherever you get your podcasts yet, take a look. Uh, just look up Shaken Blake. We'll be able to find it on any of the platforms that you listen. Make sure to follow and leave a review as well. Uh, we publish episodes most Mondays. We didn't do one last week because of the Super Bowl. Um, but we'll have a new episode on Monday wherever you get your podcasts, recapping the Iowa State game, whatever else goes on in the Big 12 in K-State sports. Uh, so let's get to this Oklahoma game, John. Um you know, Tuesday nights uh, in Norman, you lose 79-65 to the second-worst team in the Big 12. Uh, we've now lost five out of our last six Big 12 games. Uh, we're now 19-7 and on the season, 7-6 and in conference play. Yeah. Uh, we're now a full two games out of first place. Um, I mean, you think after the TCU game, John, we talked about it a lot, that you've really got a chance to make a run because you played all these top teams on the road, and now you're starting to get some, in Big 12 standards, lesser competition, and you really got a chance to make a run for a Big 12 title. But that just hasn't been the case recently with Texas Tech and Oklahoma games, both losing yeah. those. Um, so, again, 7-6 and six in conference play. But, yeah, it's just a tough game overall for the Cats. And like you said, K-State got out of its toughest stretch early on. Like midway through, K-State has already gone through some of their heart, most difficult road games. So you think they have a little bit of a breather. But at the same time, it's the Big 12. You cannot have a uh, – there's no night off in the Big 12. And if you're just not performing up to up to par – uh, with any Big 12 team, uh, you I mean, you might just kind of get a butt whipping like you did against Oklahoma uh, or just not having the best night uh, offensively or defensively against Texas Tech. Yeah, this was an OU team that was pretty desperate. I mean, they were on a four-game losing streak. They hadn't won a game, John, since they had beaten Alabama, Alabama. by, you know, 24 on January 28th. Yeah, interesting enough. <laughs> Because they were because the, they were in the same uniforms as they were with Alabama playing <laughs> K State as well. Just wanted to put that in there. Yeah, uh, so, it, on the court it was visually ugly. Yeah, it, it, I mean you had the Oklahoma charcoal grays and the K State lavenders out there. It was it was kind of like it was kind of barf colors. <laughs> it was a weird color mix. Um, so let's get into this game a little bit. The first half wasn't terrible. You yeah. know, OU's up 9-2 to two early. Um, Coach Tang uncharacteristically calls a timeout because we were just, you know, we were not uh, – didn't bring the energy to start out. We managed to get back into it a little bit. Um, you know, we go into halftime tied at 36. You just think kind of how it, you felt at the end of the Texas Tech game. It's like this game is close. Like let's figure out our problems later and just find a way to get out of here with a win. But the second half was not the start that we wanted at all. OU goes on a 12 to two run to start the half, and they were, were immediately down by 10. They pretty much hold that lead the entire game. I mean, OU was five of seven from three in the second half. They were 71 percent from the field. Um, just felt like we weren't really bringing the energy in the second half. We yeah. were just kind of, I mean, after they got down by 10, it was just really tough to watch. Um, we would have sports, you know, we'd get it to six, and then they'd go up to 15, and it would just kind of keep going back and forth. I mean, in the first half, I think the one, you know, kind of bright spot was Naquan Tomlin, 13 first-half points. I think he had four offensive rebounds in the game. He was a big contributing um, he was also our leading scorer, 17 points. Um, he was a big, uh, big factor yeah. in this game to kind of help out, but it just couldn't get it done for a win. I'll give you another player who who had some really good, uh, really good moments in the first half, and that was a by Mejiola. He had some really good looks inside the paint, and he was able to finish through something that we haven't been accustomed to seeing uh, from a Miami Mejiola throughout the past few games uh, leading up to the uh, Oklahoma game. It, it looked like uh, right after. 
uh, the beginning of non-conference play, um, but teams are starting to really uh, um, pin him down in the paint. And next thing you know, uh, we we finally get to see him uh, get some more action inside. But uh, you, you know, I mean, yeah, you mentioned it. K State looked as if they had a at some footing, um, it, but ultimately it just, it just wasn't enough. And uh, Oklahoma, I mean, offensively they were just connecting on off cylinders. You had Tanner Groves just taking out uh, Abayamiziola, Naquan Tomlin just battling through the pain, and he j- and he was just always able to deliver as well. Yeah, and Grant uh, Sherfield for Oklahoma, who had a rough start to this game. I think he was started like one of four. He was just yeah, bricking threes four. all over the place. But, I mean, he finishes as their leading scorer with 23 points, eight boards, six assists. Really good game for him. Yeah, you mentioned Tanner Groves. Just to all, I mean, you know, we mentioned they were really hot in the second half, and they were just making shots when they needed to. They were able to get out and transition. Um, I believe Hill, yeah, one of their Jalen Hill had a couple of like big dunks out in transition yeah. too, which you know if if Oklahoma had a better home atmosphere it would be cooler for them, but um, not quite. So you know you have Naquan Tomlin as your leading scorer, then you go Keontae and Marquise, um, who Marquise, it's been it's just been a rough stretch for Marquise Noel right now. Um, you know the turnovers weren't as bad in this game. You only had um, four turnovers, you know, six assists, fourteen points. But I think it is concerning that he hasn't been shooting the ball very well in his he last. He hasn't been shooting well. I think he shot, you know, 41% in the game. But even in the KU game where he had 23 points, you know, he's 28% from the field. He's been in the 30s for a lot of these games. Um, so trying to get more efficient with him. I don't know if it's just if he needs to develop like a floater or something because if he can't finish in front of the bigs or something. But it's it's been a real problem because he I mean he's our he's you know he's kind of what makes the engine go for this offense. And I think just with the offense in general, it's just been completely stagnant. I mean, we've been looking at this team throughout Big Twelve play. It started off real hot. I mean, you want to talk about the Texas and Baylor game Baylor games. K State was just putting up numbers, but once some of the video starts coming out and the teams are going to start taking note of you, um, you, you got to make some of those adjustments to try and. Out, out one the other, uh, out one the other team. I mean, it's kind of like chess and checkers, and we've been seeing K State play checkers lately, and we're seeing some of the other teams play chess. And, and you know, Porter Moser, he did a great job getting his guys ready in the in the second half, really locking down Marquise Noel, who has been plagued by turnover rules for K State's recent struggles. Um, but he didn't give Oklahoma any extra possessions uh, through reckless offensive basketball. I mean, you had a couple no well offense uh, offense. You had a couple of no wells ca- careful offenses uh, with one of the best halves in basketball in a few recent weeks. Um, that was that was just the best half though. I mean, you just just got to keep on. You just got to keep on digging deep in the, in, in the next half. I mean, you it's 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 a full forty minutes. K-State should have felt great about their chances of, of getting a momentum-shifting win, but instead, um, the second-half highlight is just the inconsistencies on K-State's backcourt. I mean, it was on full display. Uh, it was just it was just completely – the execution overall just wasn't there. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of weird. You know, it's hard to kind of talk about this game by just looking at stats because our turnovers aren't terrible. You know, we have a few decent scores. We shoot it okay. Um, but I think just watching the game, it just felt like the energy wasn't there. Um, and we were just really lethargic. You know, I mean, somebody else we maybe should talk about, Abayami Igiola, he had nine first-half points. He was able to hop out, get 11 points. But, 
I mean, it feels like we're kind of mission, you know, Big 12-ish isn't really, you know, where he used to be. Desi yeah. Sills in this game, 32 minutes off the bench with four points. He only takes five shots. Um, it just feels like when Keontae and Marquise are kind of being focused now and they're not able to have, you know, the you know the 25-point games each that they've had. You know, yeah. they had the Cayman Islands Classic or they had against Texas. And, you know, you've got Naquan stepping up in this game, which else. But you never really know who's going to step up. Uh, in the future, and you really need more of those guys to step up now, especially Desi Sills. It'd be nice if we could get at least you know him a few games in a row with double figures, considering the minutes he's playing. At, at this point, there's just little to no consistency coming from the cast, uh, not named Noel or Johnson, and and it pretty much shows on television. While Tom Wynn had scored a team high 17 points on uh, what was it Tuesday night, uh, most of his production is just the byproduct of good guard play. And as Tang put in his pro- post game uh, conference. Uh, we just didn't throw the ball to Naquan and uh, Bebe in the second half. And be- because of that, they scored only four points in the second half after what was a pretty a pretty impressive 13-point first half. Yeah, and then, I mean, one other thing to note, you didn't get a lot of David Gasson in this game. Only two minutes. He yeah, was he, under the weather, yeah, so he, sh- the weather. he should be good um, for this Saturday to play a bigger role, which we've seen him be able to make an impact defensively and offensively. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, well, the, the – um, just the sickness aside and all that, um, from from Gasson's sake, I mean, the execution just overall on the guards' play, I should have brought this up earlier. It hasn't been up to par. I mean, since the beginning of conference play, I mean, Noel was just at an All-American level with the Texas and Baylor games, but in general, just looking at some of the guard play, the efficiency has dipped. Uh, K-State's guard bears the burden of inconsistent backcourt assistance, uh, you had Cam Carter as a sixth man. Uh, as you, you also got uh, Desi. Well, you could kind of flip back and forth. Cam Carter, Desi Sills. Uh, but on Tuesday night, they, uh, Carter and Sills combined f- to shoot one for one for nine from the floor and score four points. And you know, typically we're always accustomed to seeing Cam Carter and Desi Sills be uh, one of those players. Be one of the key attributes, but along with Noel and Johnson who are able to make some big plays. Um, but once when you're seeing them not – once when you're seeing none of them really going up and getting shots in, it's just it's, – it's, it's just an un, it's just an unfortunate uh, – it's just very unfortunate. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, Keontae Johnson in this game, only 11 shots, one of three from three. And it seems like just kind of anecdotally from what I can remember from the game, looking at what his, his ISO work that he did and his ability to hit those fadeaway jumpers, it seems like he's been hitting those fairly consistently. You think about in the KU game, we made an effort to kind of you know get Keontae Johnson in ISO ball and let him cook because he can definitely carry this team. Um, it seems like we've been getting a little bit away from that. It seems like just – you know, early on in the season, our passing was so fast and crisp, and it seems like we're slowly evolving back to like a a Bruce Weber, you know, set up a high pick and yeah. roll. And if that fails, we've done some nice off ball. You know, we still run sets, but it just seems like they haven't been as effective. Well, most frequently, the team frequently that's a tongue twister. I'm sorry, that's just a tongue <laughs> twister to me. Uh, most frequently, teams in the Big Twelve have just adjusted to their ball screen coverages yeah. towards Noel. They're just putting an emphasis on heart hard edges and they just ultimately take the ball and when it comes to the offensive decision making it's not only out of just Noel's hands it's out of Keontae Johnson's hands it's out of some of the other players hands just the ball control wasn't there uh, I mean he they, they, there's been a lot of great assists but ultimately but ultimately I mean when when they when they find out I mean with the blueprint 
on how to slow down Noel and some of the other guys. It's just going to take a little more assistance from the likes of Carter or Sills uh, for K-State to reach its potential once again. Yeah, so kind of in summary, it's been a really disappointing last couple of games. There's obviously been some co- total overreactions on Twitter. Yeah. Um, wow. Like, you know, we're still 19-7. and seven. You know, we're on the brink of our first 21 season since, you know, 2018, yeah. 2019. We're obviously still going to make the tournament. We'll talk about where we're at in bracketology. It's not like we dropped to an eight seed or something. We're still, you know, a top uh, on the brink of being a top 16 team. Um, and there's still a lot to be happy for with five games left. I mm-hmm. think we could still get a decent seed in the Big 12 tournament and, you know, kind of uh, make some madness happen there. Um, there's still a lot to be happy for and a lot to look forward to in the future for K-State basketball. Absolutely, and I think a lot of people are just and, – and I can't blame them for, for pointing this out, but, you know, after the KU game when Jerome Tang said, expect for us to win, K-State since then has been 3-6. <laughs> and six. So I understand from their perspective, but just to even be – in consideration for the NCAA tournament, but not just, but let alone a top four seed. I mean, I, we look, I mean, throughout the past, the, the rest of a few games, um, that's it may be like later on just an indication on how this team is going to perform in March. But if you're telling me throughout the season how this team has performed, they have over exceeded expectations. Yeah. It's just, it's just as clear as mud. Yeah, that's clear as Yeah, that's the only term, terminology I got. Crystal clear. Crystal clear. And, and, I mean, I think you know after two losses that this team is going to come in mad on Saturday. And it's, I think it's still going to be a really packed bout in Bramlage tomorrow, especially for Farmageddon. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a really great crowd. you got to protect your home floor. And I think um, they're going to be able to come in with some fire on Saturday. So, John, let's go ahead and take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll talk about women's basketball getting a big win, K-State baseball kicking off their season, and a new wide receivers coach at K-State all next on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. Welcome back to the Shake and Blake Show live here on Wildcat 91.9. Blake Crawford alongside John Grove just recapped the OU game for the men's team. Let's go through some Wildcat headlines real quick, John. Let's do that. First, let's let's talk about some news that kind of broke earlier today. Final athletic event at Ahern Fieldhouse was held today, a track and field event. Yeah. Ahern Fieldhouse has held volleyball, basketball, track and field, football practices, music concerts. They also hold tennis there as well. Tennis, speeches, rodeos, all that, and probably maybe a little bit more for the past <laughs> 72 years. Um, there's a great story about Ahern on K-State Sports Extra um, page. You can go check that out. But um, it's sad to see Ahern go. It's been, you know housed uh, many, many, many great moments, especially for K-State basketball. You know, so many great moments with you know all the the you know the Ernie Barretts and the Tex winners and the Bob Boozers, and you know Lon Kruger and Ronald, Rolando Blackman. You know, you could go on for Jack Parr. You could keep going on and on about all the you know great things that have happened at Aaron Fieldhouse and what that's where K State volleyball played for a long time. Um, you know, it was a place that I believe we went from Nichols Gymnasium, which held two thousand people, to Ahern, which held yeah. fourteen thousand. So I mean that's quite a big jump and it's you know, for students to be able to I don't think students were able to go to every basketball game before Ahern. So it's you know, it was a big improvement for the time. <laughs> um but you know it's great, obviously great, you know, to continue upgrading and elevating um, in terms of K-State facilities. I mean, you had the Nichols Gymnasium. It was just up in the rafters. I mean, you had students up in the rafters of all places. Uh, it was, I mean, it was well due for them to get a basketball arena. 
uh, eventually. And I believe, if I'm looking at D. Scott Fritchin's uh, story correctly, let me go back to here. Uh, it was just, it, it looks amazing just looking at some of these old photos at House Men's Basketball. Just just the atmosphere about it looks like. I mean, it kind of resembles a little bit of an Allen Fieldhouse type of feel. Well, yeah, it's probably better than Allen Fieldhouse. Let's just call it the way it is. Uh, it's a Dollar General Aaron Fieldhouse, uh, without a doubt. But um, it once completed, it was the fifth largest fieldhouse in the United States. It had 14,000 fans. Uh, it was the envy of every big seven conference school, and it used to – served for not only basketball, but so much more. I mean, you, I, I always point out um, just some of the times that my dad's coach at K-State Volleyball, um, just, just, well, just going in there, it just feels so magical. I mean, you just got that old barn smell. <laughs> uh, the, the, the air condition is not working, so I'm just going to be sweating throughout every single volleyball match, despite the fact that we would just be blowing out everybody. Um, but, I, I mean, it's it's... It's it was a really good it was a really good atmosphere just for a lot of events, um, and it, you know it's just one that's going to be uh, uh, I'm trying to put in the best of words it's going to be held in my heart for a long long time. Yeah. I mean I has shared a lot of great memories at Ahern Fieldhouse. I'm sure my dad especially has uh, being being one of the former assistant volleyball coaches uh, for K State, but uh, it's just. And, and this just goes for a lot of legendary player, basketball players as well who's who's played at Ahern Fieldhouse, whether it's Lon Kruger, I believe Tex Winter had some time over there. Uh, yeah, yeah, just a lot of them. Ernie Barrett and, yeah. and all that stuff. It, it was a good old 92 years. I don't know if – I don't think they're going to take the building down. But Probably not. They're not going to no, – it's no longer going to be associated with K-State Athletics, but – uh, it's 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 gonna be a keeper. That's what that's without a doubt. It was historic, and uh, well, and we'll see what happens as K State kind of moves the needle uh, with more of their facility renovations uh, in the near future. Yeah, I would imagine with you know the new indoor fa- um, practice facility being built for the football team that they would use the old indoor practice facility for the football team as an indoor track yeah, field indoor to replace Ahern. Yeah. Um, so that way we'd have a you know a decent um, indoor and outdoor track and field facility. Really, it's just kind of interesting looking back at all this. You had uh, you had Memorial Stadium serving as the old stadium for football. You had uh, men's basketball and all the other sports inside Ahern Fieldhouse. And next and and just fifty plus years later, you're now seeing all the sports teams. Uh, reside of Orwell, the north portion of campus with Bill Snyder Family Stadium, Bramwich Coliseum. Now you're getting the new Morgan Volleyball Arena. Um, that's going to be coming in. It's going to look really nice. Uh, the new football facility. I mean, now you're moving track and field into one of the older facilities um, as well. So it's it's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be kind of like a little athletic village that's going to be um, uh, popping up up there. Yeah, I mean, the facilities just keep getting better and better. I mean, think about the renovations that we've done to the football stadium mm-hmm. and the Shamrock Zone at uh, Bramlage. Just so many, you know, Gene Taylor's just been absolutely killing it with the coaching hires and everything that he's been doing with the facilities. And obviously, you know, the donor base that K-State the has, donors. we have to be extremely thankful for them and everything they've done because all of this is, you know, totally impossible Wait, without you, their contributions. 
You're just kind of giving me a little nugget uh, for my for my KU argument uh, that we're gonna have later okay. on the show. So okay, yeah. Well, you're trying not spoil it. Yeah, let's. That was a great tease, John. Yeah, gotta. That was make a good sure, tease. That, that was a really good tease. <laughs> make sure to stick around for that. Let's go ahead and move on, John. Let's talk about women's basketball. Um, obviously last Sunday, um, they had a pretty bad blowout loss to Oklahoma, but they responded with a 19 point win over Baylor. Mm-hmm. You know, he was 16 and eight coming into this game. Um, 87 to 68, the final. Uh, it's pretty hard to lose a game when you shoot 60% from the field, <laughs> which is exactly what the Cats did against Baylor. Um, you have you know standout performance from Gabby Gregory and Serena Sundell. 26 points, 10 rebounds uh, for Gabby Gregory. Serena Sundell with 20 points and 6 assists. And they both did it shooting very efficiently from the field, too. Yeah. Um, so overall, it was really great to kind of get a response after a tough loss against Oklahoma, defend your home court, get a good win against a pretty solid Baylor team. Highest field goal percentage since carding a 65% performance against Incarnate Word in okay. 2019 as well. So, Oh, really? Yeah, it, 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 that's, some, that's some pretty impressive yeah. numbers, especially against a Baylor squad. I mean, Baylor's a little bit disappointing this year, but they're one of the top five, ten uh, women's basketball programs out there. Um, but the 87 points by K-State, they were the second most – uh, points K-State has scored on Baylor. Uh, you're out to go all the way back to January 5th, 2002 when K-State uh, scored 89 on them. That was really when K-State was running the Big 12 back then. Yeah, I just uh, just like a couple silly notes for the Baylor team. They do have some uh, players with some funny last names. Oh, uh, like Van, Van Geitenbeek, I think is kind of funny. But Van Little Page Bugs, I thought that was a funny one. Um, but that's, any, a, that's an entire last name. Yeah, Little Page Bugs. Yeah, that's like three subjects. Little combined. Little Page is one word, and then hyphen Bugs. I just okay. thought I just thought that was funny. That is um, pretty funny. Yeah, but they were they both played pretty well too. Yeah. But anyway, uh, great to get a win um, for the Cats and the women's basketball team. Um, I'm trying to pull. I should have pulled this up really quick. Just what they have going forward with their upcoming schedule. They they play TCU yeah, on Saturday. Yeah, I believe Saturday. That's going to be in uh, in Fort Worth. Uh, and then this Wednesday, yeah. the Sunflower Showdown in Manhattan. Um, so that'll be great to get uh, KU back in town in Bramlage Coliseum to play them. So make sure to go on February 22nd on Wednesday to check out the women's basketball team and support them. Definitely still on the outside looking in for the NCAA tournament. Um, I think a decent shot at getting in the NIT based on what I understand, yeah. John, and you know maybe getting some home games for the NIT this, at Bramlage. I, I think it further solidifies K State as a postseason bid, but yeah. just leaning towards NIT, I I I just think with some of the losses K State's taken early on in conference play, that's probably going to come back and bite them. Yeah. In terms of postseason chances in regards to the NCAA tournament, but um, you know you want, keeping your postseason chances alive is. Very big, and especially after you beat Baylor, who's likely going to be a tournament team, yeah. an NCAA tournament team. All right. Well, let's talk some baseball now, let's John. Let's do it. Because as of, oh my like, you know, probably two minutes ago, uh, their season officially started. Uh, they're playing Stephen F. Austin as we're um, making this right now. Probably We probably don't need to give a score because it's definitely down, still 0-0. Zero, zero. Down in Nacogdoches, Texas. Yep. Playing Stephen F. Austin. John, let's talk about last season very quickly. They finished the season at an even record, 29-29. They made some noise in the Big 12 tournament, beat <laughs> Texas Tech and extras. I actually have a good memory of watching that. I was <laughs> on crazy. I, I, I was at the Dallas-Fort Worth airport uh, just <laughs> as we were heading on our way back from Switzerland. Uh, I was in Dallas-Fort Worth. We were watching some of the baseball game. 
And right when we landed Manhattan, Texas Tech uh, had the final out. K State won. It was pretty cool. So yeah, and then they obviously lost to OU close in the Big Twelve semifinal. So back to back years, they made a lot of noise in the Big Twelve tournament. Um, maybe they could do it again this year. They're picked seventh in the Big Twelve preseason poll. Um, obviously, John, um, gonna really miss Dylan Phillips, the home run king at K State. Yeah, very big man. loss. Very, very big loss. I know it wasn't as, as, as a. Uh, dang it! I don't know where I was gonna go. <laughs> um, but uh, he was really. I mean, he's the home run king of K State, and losing a key player like him, I mean, that's gonna be a little bit of a stinger. But you know, K State, they're gonna feature 19 newcomers. It's gonna be a little bit of a younger squad. 10 transfers and um you you got you got uh nine freshmen as well you got nick uh, goodwin uh returning i mean the shortstop you also got third baseman kalen culpepper and now future cole johnson i should remind you kalen culpepper's made some incredible catches uh for some outs uh this past uh this past season uh one of which including the big 12 tournament he just he has some of the best reflections i've ever seen from a uh reflexes from a baseball player I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think the star of this team is going to be Nick Goodwin. He was a unanimous selection for the All-Big 12 preseason team. Um, Some other notable returners, you mentioned Cole Johnson, John, but also Herman Fajardo. I think he had a great home stretch um, kind of in the last part of last season. I think he could do great things this year. Blake Corsentino is back as well as Orlando Salinas Jr. Um, So a few names to kind of you recognize from last year, but we'll see what they do against Stephen F. Austin. Uh, Their first home game, uh, they have a home series alternating with I believe it's, um, it's Army. A, yeah, you have Army one day, yeah. Stonehill the next day, and then Army and then Stonehill. I think those two teams. It's like some kind of mini invitational that they have. But okay, uh, yeah, you get two. You get two teams coming in uh, to Manhattan. You should be favored. I think Army has made some pretty good runs in the tur- uh, in some. Uh, in the NCAA baseball tournament as well. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, so hopefully by March 3rd, the weather's gotten a little bit better and you can come out and see Ooh. the Cats for a little weekend. I just thought about this. Baseball. You know, if K-State was playing Army next year, you could have you could have had Pete Hughes and Dom Hughes. Well, I, well, this might be Dom Hughes last year. I haven't fully looked it up. But you also have P.J. Hughes who's going to Army as well. <laughs> so just a little bit of a family feud right there. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about their schedule, John, because it's definitely interesting. You got a big old, you know, big four game series with Stephen F. Austin to start it out. You stay in Texas playing Lamar, and then just bam, just hits you right in the face in the Round Rock Classic, number, number one, number oh, one. Shoot, uh, you were gonna say top that. ranked LSU. <laughs> no, it was we almost did it at the same time. Uh, he plays Sam Houston in Iowa as well, but number one LSU obviously just sticks out on the schedule like a sore thumb. So we'll see what the Cats can do there. It's also going to stick as a sore thumb is right afterwards on February 28th and playing in the cold weather of a frozen tundra known as Omaha, Nebraska. So uh, playing against the Mavericks. So yeah, yeah, just look, yeah, looking at further down the schedule. I mean, you got Air Force for a two-game series, Nebraska. Uh, you play at UC Irvine and UC Riverside, so you're gonna have a California trip, um, kind of in Big Twelve. Play hopefully, as it well. goes. Hopefully, it goes better than it did last year. We started on a Cali trip, I believe, to kind of start the season. It did. It did not go very well. Bakersfield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you mentioned a few of them, but you know, you have some local non-conference games. You're playing Creighton, Omaha, Nebraska, Wichita State. 
for a game as well. Um, and then obviously you start out Big Twelve play. There's some really good teams in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it's it's not the SEC or anything in, in baseball, SEC. but there's still some really solid teams that you know have some aspirations of going to the World Series and uh, you know winning a uh, national championship. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and P. Hughes has always put an emphasis on our main goal is to get to Omaha. They always emphasize Omaha, Hatton. Uh, just really, they want to get that Omaha type of feel uh, within the program. And I guess kind of geographically speaking, uh, you have a good chance of playing. Well, I mean, you are going to play up in Omaha against the Mavericks as well. And uh, I know a few years when playing Creighton, you're going to be playing at the at yeah. the site of a World Series as well. So I think that's going to be pretty cool. I, I say we should probably make the NCAA tournament first before we start dreaming yeah, of Omaha. We need we need we need, we need a, that's kind of a stepping stone you need to kind of get over before you, you get to Omaha. Yep. Um, so yeah, yep. we'll be we'll be right here following along the Batcats throughout their season and how they're doing and keeping you all updated on that. Um, so let's move over to football for a little bit, John, because we finally found a new wide receivers coach, uh, Matthew Middleton, who's got a local tie mm-hmm. to the Kansas area. He's from Kansas City, played wide receiver at Ottawa University, um, was a wide receivers coach at South Dakota and Kent State, and then also he was also a GA at KU um, yeah. before coming to join the Cats. Uh, Middleton replaces Thad Ward, who was a wide receivers coach at K-State for one year. Before he skipped town to, it was Illinois, right, that he went to? Uh, yeah, he went okay. back to Illinois. All right. So, yeah, so great to finally kind of fill that slot. Uh, hopefully he can stick around longer than Thad Ward did. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, he, he guided wide receivers to six all-conference selections. You had uh, four first-team honors. Um, for uh, what, At the time he was at Kent State, I think he served a year or two at South Florida as well, so – Get some local ties in as well. I think that's going to help out. And just with some of those uh, selections and honors as well, they're going to pop out. Give it that they're mid-majors uh, for Kent State and USFR. I think um, it's going to be a really good test for Middleton to see uh, what what uh, what schemes and tactics he has in store for the wide receiver room. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what he does, especially with kind of a younger Um, wide receiving core but John let's take a quick break but when we come back we'll look at the Big 12 standings a great Saturday slate of games the latest bracketology a look at KU Stadium's renovation funding and premium Farmageddon that's all next on the Shake and Blake show with Blake Crawford and John Grove Welcome back to the Shake and Blake show here on Wildcat 91.9 Blake Crawford John Grove Let's just did some Wildcat headlines, yeah. talking about everything going on in K-State sports. But let's do the Big 12 standings real quick, because obviously K-State's fallen off a little bit left, but this is some important territory here, John. We've got five games left in Big 12 play, and we've got a three-way tie for first place. Mm-hmm. KU, Texas, and Baylor all at 9-4. and four. Iowa State a game behind at 8-5. and five. But, John, I mean, how about Baylor? I think that's how I want to talk about here. Wow. They started 0-3 in conference play. You know, everybody was, you know, saying it's, you know, the end. You know, they're nothing without Jerome Tang. That maybe K-State fans are saying that. Yeah, but that was You me. start 0-3, and then you go 8-1 and one after that in the Big 12, which is just so difficult. And they're in a three-way tie for first place. We're playing them on Tuesday, John. That's going to be a scary matchup. Just with the spark Baylor's had over the past few games, and on top of that, you bring back a healthy Jonathan Chamochachua. Yeah. Baylor is scary. I mean, Keontae George is playing some really good basketball as well. They're going to be a tough outing on Tuesday. 
Yeah, so we mentioned K-State's fallen off a little bit. They're currently fifth right now. They're tied with Oklahoma State, who's kind of been on the come up a little bit, even though they're 16 and 10. And, you know, they're still 7 and 6 in conference play. Yeah. Um, so they've managed to rack up a few good wins. And TCU, I mean, poor TCU. They've, at, at one point, we, you know, they might have been the best team in the Big 12, but now they're 6 and 7. They've lost four in a row. I mean, obviously, they're really, they're really missing Mike Miles right now. Well, I believe a tweet came out that Mike Miles is expected to okay. be available tomorrow against Oklahoma State and Fort Worth. So, kind of get him, got him back for a better time. And really, between K State, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and TCU, Vic, I mean, you got two more weeks left, and you're pretty much vying to be. Uh, kind of vying to be on the second day on, in the Big 12 tournament. You're going to try and avoid being in seventh right now. So, if, I mean, if, a, if the season finished today, TCU, uh, they would be in the in the, in the the first play-in games, like the yeah. seven and ten matchups, eight and nine matchups. So the seeding's going to get really interesting here as we head to the bottom of a stretch. Yeah, because you kind of look at it. I think there are, you know, there's kind of a solid seven really good teams. You know, K-State, Oklahoma State, TCU are five, six, seven right now. One of those teams is going to be playing in kind of the play-in part of the Big 12 tournament. And and really, shout out to Oklahoma State. I mean, you want to talk about team that's been flying under the radar? I mean, they have been, they've been really coming up as well. I mean, you had Melissa Cisse. He's been put, racking up some really good minutes as well. Their defense just continues to be a complete problem. I want to say Q, uh, Boone, what, what's his first name? Keelan Boone. Yeah, Keelan Boone. Caleb Boone, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm terrible with names. Uh, won't be a ma- problem tomorrow, but uh, he, he's, been, he's been really amping it up for Oklahoma State. Um, they're, they're starting to become a dangerous outing, and especially uh, what is it next weekend when K State hits the Stillwater? That's good. that's going to be a difficult atmosphere. Yeah, that'll definitely be tough. So let's talk about what's going on, on Saturday. Let's do in it. the Big Twelve, John. Uh, really, no night games. Um, all the games are at eleven a.m., one p.m., or three p.m. Um, the K State Iowa State game was originally at five p.m., but it got moved to one p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there's probably a reason why, but I don't know what it is. Um, but anyway, let's go through these a little bit. We'll go through the first few pretty quick and then talk about the one big one. Um, that's not K-State, Iowa State. So 11 a.m. ESPNU, Tech versus Virginia. You West know, t- Virginia. West Virginia. Who's uh, – yeah, did I say Virginia? Sorry. Virginia, I need I need man. to clarify. Um, so I guess, you know, Battle of John Denver obviously makes this uh, important. Uh-huh. But, you know, West Virginia is kind of on the outside looking in right now in the NCAA tournament. So they could continue you looking to kind of keep getting wins. Um, to try and sneak themselves into the tournament. Then you got Oklahoma, Texas. Um, Texas, obviously, right now atop of the Big 12, just trying to hold their home court, get a win, stay on top. Um, Oklahoma State, TCU, you mentioned if Mike Miles is expected to be back, that's obviously a game changer for TCU. They're totally different with Mike Miles, but that's still a good Oklahoma State team. Or is it a good – or is it? Because, I mean, we've seen Eddie Lamb can return, and he wasn't in, at, at full health. He wasn't too effective. Same thing could apply with Mike Miles as well. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it depends how healthy Mike how Miles healthy, is. Yeah. yeah, if he's just trying to fight through it, if he's actually getting healthy. Then obviously the big one, John, college game day is here. <sighs> uh, we, were, we, we were close to getting a game day so in Manhattan. Close, but, but so um, far. To be fair, this is a little bit justified. You know, um, ninth-ranked Baylor versus fifth-ranked KU. Yeah. Battle for first place in the Big 12. Um, Baylor took it last time these two played in Waco. Um, but this is going to be a really great matchup. Two teams who've been taking care of business as of late and yeah. are both pretty hot. And Grady Dick, I mean, he came out with a with a really hot performance in Stillwater. It looks like his it, he's starting to amp up a little bit. 
Um, Juwan Harris, he's starting to get in some pretty good minutes as well. But um, but but playing the paint for KU has dramatically increased as well. Um, I don't remember his name. It might be Uday, Uday, his last name. Um, but he's 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 been uh, really killing in the paint as well. So it's going to be a, a battle of two teams that have been playing their their uh, who's had a hot streak lately. Yeah, the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. Let's get to some bracketology, John. Um, so obviously, you know, I think last time we talked about bracketology, K State was in the two three seed. Um, yeah. Kind of conversation. Uh, let's start with Joe Lenardi, who has K-State as a four seed in the Miss- Midwest region, which is in Orlando, playing Southern Miss. Um, if we won, we'd play the winner of Xavier and VCU. Yeah, So a okay. little possibility a, to new. recreate some March Madness again with Xavier. Um, Houston is the one seed in that Midwest region. Illinois is the sixth seed. Just, you know, just for, the, the, just for K-State fans, I think that would be fun. Um, so obviously we're not quite where we're at um, at before with uh, back-to-back losses, um, especially to you know bottom teams in the Big Twelve. Jerry Palm has us as a four seed as well, but we're in the East region. We play Liberty. Uh, we would play the winner of Indiana and Charleston. Uh, Missouri is in that region as a seven seed, so mm-hmm. a chance to play them would be fun. Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated has us as a five seed playing Oral Roberts. Oh, um, they kind of flipped it where Xavier's the four seed, we're the five seed. Um, Iowa State is the three seed in this region that Kevin Sweeney has us in hypothetically. So we've fallen off a little bit, but again, it's not the end of the world. You know, we won the Big 12 in 2018 yeah. 19, and we're a four seed. 2012 2013, we were a four seed. We're still sitting pretty in Coach Tank's first year. But we lost in the first round. Yeah, and, I know. And the problem is, <laughs> I'm not taking any chances as a four-fifth seed to play against another team whose colors are blue and gold, who are capable of pulling off upsets. I've, I've my heart's been broken too many times with UC Irvine, LaSalle in 2012. Yeah. I don't want to take my chances on Noah Roberts. So how about we just kind of pick up the pace on the win margin? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Five games left. We could get a few wins. Uh, hopefully sneak I, I our way back a, into the. I want to make a run in March. All right. Yeah. Hopefully sneak our way back into kind of that three seed talk. Um. So John, let's let's get to your your KU stadium renovation. Oh man. Well, that was a perfect transition, <laughs> by the way. Uh. Okay. You know what? I, we 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 mentioned this. Shout out to the K State donors. They do not get as much appreciation as they should. Um, just helping out with um, with the buildings on campus, the stadiums and the facilities to keep up with everyone in the Power Five. I mean, they funded towards the scholarships as well. NIL is now being being a heavy factor in the coaches' payments as well. And now I'm just I, I'm staring at my friends in Lawrence. Where KU got got an award from the Kansas Department of Commerce, they they're, they're getting a grant amount for KU's football stadium renovations for fifty million dollars and a, and a, another gateway project, which is irrelevant. But the chancellor came out with one of the most delusional quotes. All right. KU's project represents a once-in-a-generation opportunity to strengthen KU as the state's primary ta- talent magnet and enhance KU's ability to produce talented graduates for the Kansas workforce. You're funding a football stadium <laughs> with taxpayer money! With taxpayer money! It, it just boggles my mind. And and meanwhile, at K-State, uh, I mean, you, you have the Kansas Department of Commerce giving away $25 million, uh, for K-State, but that's more 
for renovations and infrastructure uh, for the Department of Agriculture uh, that's going to be currently undergoing here in the next few moments. But private donations for K-State, it is so beyond. They've, they've reached $75 million. Meanwhile, KU can't get any private donations. They are going to have to go to their administration and spend their endowment money. And on top of that, go to the Department of Commerce and they're taking money from the freaking government and taxpayer stuff. It just boggles my mind. I, I mean, it just really pisses me off. Uh, but uh, that was a little too much there. Uh, <laughs> but, but the chancellor also came out with this quote. This project will develop a new campus gateway, new multiverse space, and an upgraded football sales. All with an eye towards enhancing student enrollment. Which uh, that part I can kind of see a little bit. And driving region regional economic growth. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's, okay, that's a little bit of a fair point, but to be the primary talent magnet, oh, I mean, to be the primary talent magnet and to produce talented graduates for Kansas, I, I, I'm just not seeing it. I mean, the Kansas Department of Commerce, they're giving away $25 million as a grand amount to K-State. That's, like, that's half of what KU's getting uh, for a football stadium that's just a complete train wreck. And they're using that money from university funds and government spending, not athletic funds. It's just, it just, uh, on one hand, it pisses me off as a future taxpayer of the state. Yeah. <laughs> on the other hand, it makes me so thankful that we have so many donors who, who, uh, who contribute so much um, to this university uh, and to K State and, and to the university that we hold in dear. Uh, every single day. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of delve back a little bit. I should have probably done that rant during the Ahern Fieldhouse stuff, but, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. We, 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 it's, it's, it's all about timing and all that. So, in, sum, in summation, I mean, like, you know, your Wildcat tax dollars are going to help build a KU football stadium or renovations we're gonna to the be, football stadium. Like, we're going to be part-time owners. <laughs> I like to declare <laughs> the KU bathroom has the Jonathan Grove, yeah, shake well shake and Blake porta potty station. There, <laughs> yes, I would love that the shake and Blake port and potty station. Perfect. Yeah, and it has our show. There's like a little speaker in there that just has our show in a loop uh-huh. in there, <laughs> and it just slanders KU every day. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And even their stadium is probably going to be, you know, still miles off. Even the, you know, the entire athletic complex that K State has built here. They have a project due date in place. Uh, I believe like September of 2026 is when they're expected to kind of complete all this. I'm just not seeing it, man. I mean, it's going to have to take a complete all entire renovation phase uh, for KU to really even. Not just even compete with K State, but to uh, I mean, just kind of fair with K State on the money spectrum as well, because KU, they're poverty. I mean, let's just <laughs> face it; their their fans can't pay for anything. They had to go to be in their, their administration and government just just for money. Meanwhile, we got private donors who keep giving all this stuff. It makes my heart warm, but it also makes me laugh so hard that it could have been so much worse. Yeah, and it, I mean, it took us, it took K-State a long time to build mm-hmm. everything that we have here, not only physically, but like, you know, getting the money together and the kind of respect and the um, improvement of the donors to get that kind of donor base together and say, hey, we're doing something good here. Your money is going to something that's helping people and that is making this university one of the best in the state, but also the country. Yeah. And, you know, that, that type of clout and respect, you know, takes a long time. 
Absolutely. And I think part of it as well is when Bill Snyder immediately took the job, he was trying to really rally the donors around trying to get the facilities in place because K-State's facilities, they were probably up to par on FCS or Division II standards uh, today. And just seeing the dramatic changes that we've seen throughout uh, not just with the football stadium, the basketball, uh, Bramlage Coliseum, uh, I mean, just with the new volleyball arenas coming in and the football facility as well. It's just great to see K-State maintain that, that prowess that we have to keep ourselves in the best position possible when it comes to these facilities. Yeah, we'll definitely be keeping a close eye from afar of how KU is doing with their stadium renovations. Let's talk about what the couple minutes we have. Let's talk Iowa State, John. Let's do it. Uh, last time we played the Cyclones, lost 80-76. to Cyclones just shot it lights out. In the second half, winning a Hilton is really tough. You know, Jared Holmes and uh, Gabe Kalsher both played amazing last time. Iowa State on the road, though, is a different animal, John. It's a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Yeah, they've lost their last five games on the road. They score nine less points per game on the road, and they allow 15 more points per game on the road. Um, Caleb Grill is questionable for this game, I believe, but you mentioned Jazz Koontz, who didn't play last time. He'll be back for the Cyclones. And he's, uh, been, and he's been on a tear lately for Iowa State as yeah. well. I mean, the last game against TCU, he came away with 22 points, a 70% shooting from field goal range. Uh, he, he's going to be a ginormous threat to K-State. Yeah, so, I mean, for this game, I think I'm going to be I'm eyeing it on Marquise and what he can do at home. I think this, gonna be, this team is going to be mad, you know. They've kind of they've lost two games in a row. I think they've lost their swagger, and they need to get it back on their home floor and to win in front of these fans because if it starts going haywire, um, there could be some frustration and kind of some mercs and groans from the fans, and I don't think that would be – you know, a, a great look, really. But I think this team's going to come in with a lot of energy. I think in the second, if we could start the second half mm-hmm. with a lot of energy, because you think about the Texas game, you think about the Oklahoma game, just start off terribly in the second half, and that just totally kills all your momentum. And it, you're just putting yourself in such a deficit, it's hard for any team to come back from that. You got to have a much more efficient outing if you're Marquis Noel, and when it comes to the assists and turnovers, uh, K State's five and zero with more assists than turnovers over the past. Uh, past five games and in the past eight games k-state's two and six with more turnovers than assists as well so for him i mean so i'm looking for for marquise noel himself as one of the main keys of a game but i'm i'm kind of with you i think this k-state team is going to be mad uh just kind of getting their kind of getting their uh, butts kicked in by some of the worst teams in the Big 12, uh, they're going to have a little bit of a fire. I, I guarantee you Jerome Tang is definitely going to have a lot, uh, uh, it's, uh, a huge spark of fire uh, yeah. as well. K-State's the better team and it has played recently, uh, and I think they will make a statement against number 19 Iowa State as, at a decisive point of the season. Uh, they didn't win straight up, but they did, did cover in the first matchup against the Cyclones, and it was a really close outing then. But at home, you're you're getting Iowa State at home. They're gonna, I think they're gonna turn the tide with a solid offensive performance. I think we're gonna deliver the final knockout blow on Iowa State's conference championship aspirations. Yeah, game is at 1 p.m. tomorrow on ESPN, but you're obviously gonna be in Bramlage Coliseum anyway. Or, or you can listen to yours truly. You can listen to John Grove. Yeah. John Grove, Cole Dutchendorf on the call. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, right here on Wildcat 91.9. So make sure to check that out as well. Um, so that's all the time, the time we have on the Shake and Blake show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at Shake and Blake 785. We'll be back Monday wherever you get your podcast again, Shake and Blake, to recap the Iowa State game and Casper 90. Casper 90.